What is up, Bridge Runner Nation? Welcome back to another Bridge Runners Live episode number 51. Tonight's guest was the winner of the Dogwood 24-hour ultra marathon, the amazing Sarah Wallace. In addition to her win at Dogwood, Sarah is the first woman to ever finish a double Laurel Highlands hiking trail. And to top it off, she even made a guest appearance in our most recent film, Rim to River 100. She was a great guest, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Ridge Runner Nation, welcome back to our 51st episode of Ridge Runners Live. Tonight, we are so excited to have on the winner of the Dogwood 24-hour Ultra Marathon. In addition, last year, she became the first woman ever to finish a double Laurel Highlands hiking trail FKT, which is 140 miles, coming to us all the way from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Sarah Wallace, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Wes. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Oh, we're so excited to chat with you, especially uh, all things uh, the FKT, all things Dogwood 24 Hour, and just so many other awesome things that uh, you've done recently. Uh, for those of you that don't know, my name is Wesley Harton, and joining me tonight is the sixth man of Regeneration who spent the weekend in Virginia, Cam Wrench. What's up, dude? Nothing much, Wesley. Excited to have a great show. Um, but yeah, spent the weekend in Virginia. Like we got a guest from Pittsburgh. You're thinking these are all these far flung weird places. Like they're all pretty close to where like all of us live, you know, and you're already living that Utah lifestyle, I guess. Things are just different for you. Yeah. I'm just out here in Taos. So, you know, I just got to drop different cities and locations. So our East coast viewers can still know that we're an East coast show. But yeah, of course. Uh, what are you drinking tonight, Wesley? So I've got the Uenta uh, Clear Days IPA again. Uh, really been enjoying this one. So I decided to bring that out for another Utah beverage night. Uh, Sarah, what about you? Yeah, so I'm drinking some sparkling water. That's sort of my drink of choice in the evening. But I do have a mug representing the Laurel Challenge that I did. So a friend made me a mug that represents that it was going beyond the usual 70 miles on the Laurel Highlands Trail. That's, uh, it's fun to have that to celebrate, I guess. That's awesome. We're so excited to dive into that. Uh, cause that was just such an epic thing that you did last year. And, uh, so, so many people kind of came out, it's just an epic experience. So we'll dive into that shortly. Cam, what are you drinking? So, um, I've got my favorite beer of all time and longtime viewers will know it's only because of the can, the Jackie O's under a cloud IPA and this nice little crocheted mug or excuse me, koozie made by my lovely friend, um, Dyer. Well, as always, you can find the show on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you're on Strava, join our Strava club as well. The name is Ridge Runners on all platforms. Sarah, before we dive into the races and the FKTs and all these other epic achievements, take us back to when the first time you decided to lace up a pair of running shoes. How did you even find running? How did you find trail running? And just take us back to those first couple steps when you were out on the trail. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is a really fun story. A lot of runners, we end up chatting about this, right? When we're out on the trail or out on the road. So I started running back in middle school. Um, my dad is and always was a runner. And that was something I knew growing up. And I didn't exactly take to a lot of your typical ball sports because I'm not incredibly coordinated. And so I think running was a place that I could go and not get cut from a team. And so I started running early on um, in my middle school days. And one of the things that I really found, and I found still to be true today, is that groups like this, like middle school track and high school cross country, and now other running groups 
are just such a great community. Um, and you have really lasting friendships um, in those communities. And so that was one of the things that kind of kept me running. Um, but that was road running. And I really didn't get into trail running and then ultra marathoning until the end of 2017. Um, there were maybe some hints that I was going that direction, but I was a longtime marathoner. Um, and my friend Kristen and I signed up for a race um, in Ohio, the um, Bigfoot 50K. And well, there was a 10 miler and a 50K and I wasn't satisfied with the 10 mile distance, but didn't really think I was going to do a 50K. Um, but I signed up anyways. And I don't think she was surprised at all after two laps out on the course. I was like, this is really fun. I want to keep going. Can I keep doing this? And um, I got totally hooked on trail running and ultra marathoning and all of that. Yeah, that sounds great. And you know, I don't know if many people know this, but the Bigfoot 50K that's in a Salt Fork State Park there in Ohio, that's actually kind of my neck of the woods. I'm from not very far from that region. And for everybody who's been there, you know that there's not much of anywhere around there. So that's why it's kind of hard to describe where I'm from. But so named because if I remember correctly, most Bigfoot sightings east of the Mississippi occur in Salt Fork State Park. Mm -hmm. And there, of course, one is every year there's a race. You always see Bigfoot. It's guaranteed. It was also my first uh, 50K ever, too. So it's kind of neat that uh, we get to oh, kind of share neat. that share that experience. But what was it like kind of during that race and kind of the, what were your feelings after that race? Was it like, oh, I'm all in on uh, the trail running scene or the ultra running scene? Or did it take a while to kind of come around and, OK, I'm going to do another one of these things eventually? Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure I was quite like on ultra sign up that night or anything like that, looking for additional 50Ks. But I did. That was when I really started to get that feeling. Um, during the race where I didn't want it to end. Like I was having fun. And although I was excited to get to the finish line and have that accomplishment, I was really enjoying myself and could see feeling kind of sad about it ending. And I think that was the hint that I was getting hooked. I also have a great group of friends who we easily talk each other into doing fun and crazy things. And of course, after that, my friend Kristen had to go do a 50K. And so we actually hit the ultra marathon scene in Ohio quite a bit that year and quickly went out and did a couple 50 K's, um, the two of us. And yeah, it just, we had so much fun out there. Um, and I think that's really, that's what made me keep coming back was how much fun it was. For sure. I mean, just the ultra running scene and the trail running scene is just so spectacular, especially at certain races when you kind of get to uh, just have the community air there and it's totally present throughout the race. And that's kind of what was at, what happened. Uh, it appears from an outsider looking in at the Dogwood 24 hour uh, ultra marathon that you ran uh, this two weekends ago now. Uh, what was that race like? Why did you decide to sign up for that one? Uh, was it your first 24 hour race? What were your kind of expectations going into it? Yeah. So this again, goes back to friends, talking friends into things. So my friend, Kristen, it would have been maybe around the Christmas holiday of 2020 or well, 2019, 2020. And she was like, I really want to do a timed race. I'm really interested in that. And like most times when almost any of my friends suggest something, I'm like, okay, sounds great. Where, what are we doing? Where are we going? What are we doing? And so she was the one who found this race and of course, with COVID and the pandemic and everything, that race was canceled. I think we went out and did our own 50 miler um, the weekend that that was supposed to be here in Pittsburgh. And that birthed a whole 
year of making up events and doing things just on our own, which is a whole nother story and was super fun. Um, but then when it came back around, it was something um, that she and I committed to doing. And so we really were kind of making up for our 2020 um, for what had gotten canceled during 2020. Um, the other thing that happened is during that, the double Laurel attempt um, or finish, I guess it's more than an attempt now. Um, my friend Paulette was the one driving me home and I hadn't slept in two days and I was masked up in her backseat, kind of like in and out of awakeness. And I was like, Paulette, I have this great idea. You should come and do this 24 hour race with us. So, you know, friends talk me into things, but I'm talking other people into things too. So the three of us went down to Dogwood together and both of them crushed their goals and did awesome there as well. And so, yeah, it was just, it was really fun. Um, None of us had been traveling and really doing very many races um, during the last year. And so it was kind of fun to be back in that community um, and seeing people and seeing trail runners again. Yeah. What was it like to put on a bib again and to go out there with the, with the early miles, just like filled with excitement, people chatting or uh, what were those early miles like for you? Yeah. So I ran with um, Kristen for the whole first lap and that's pretty, you know, that's pretty much what we do. And we chit chatted and um, yeah, it felt great to be out. Um, it felt good to see other people. The race was very COVID, like had a lot of good COVID precautions. And so I didn't feel kind of nervous or concerned about that. And the trail, I'm originally from Michigan. Um, the trail in some ways reminded me of some areas of Michigan, um, a little hillier than where I'm from, but it had these beautiful lakes. And so I kind of felt like I was back home. Um, and you get that kind of spring in your step when things start to feel good. And um, everything just sort of felt like it was coming together. But I tend to go into races kind of cautious. Um, and so I was just sort of you know, chit-chatting with my friend and then other people on the course a little bit and just sort of enjoying the scenery for those first few laps for sure. Yeah, totally get that. And we got our very first question from the chat tonight. Uh, It actually came a little bit earlier, but Andrew Buck Michael, our uh, favorite weatherman here at Ridge Runners says, love hearing more 24-hour chat. What are the top three things Sarah would change? And then he also followed it up with any tweaks to nutrition. So maybe he's looking for some specific advice. We know he just ran a 24 hour. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm not sure if this is specific to a 24 hour or just any attempt that has you go at night. But um, for me, one of the things I realized I was a little out of practice with was running at night. Um, I do that a little bit less in the winter. I think a lot of people do naturally. And then um, I hadn't done anything overnight since the end of December, I think. And um, so, and then not having a pacer at night, I was getting um, just having a bit of a mental block, I think, on some of the nighttime challenges. The trail gets tougher, of course, your legs are tired, it's cold, um, and you're just having to concentrate so much more. So what would I have done differently? I would have done more night training. just to be a little, that's not my strongest area of running in general. So just to be a little bit more practiced at that. Um, what else would I change? I really think that's probably the biggest thing I did let myself get a little too cold. I probably should have thrown on pants a little bit earlier at some point. Um, I'm a little stubborn about how I like to run in shorts. Um, and 
Yeah. I don't know that there's anything else I would change. The 24 hour format was super new to me and I didn't, I don't tend to like map out the race or anything like that. And so I was really dependent on the race director, um, Dan, to kind of fill me in on where I was at. And he was really eager for someone to hit the hundred miles. So he was great at kind of keeping me up to date on how I was doing and things like that. But to be honest, I kind of ignored him for a little bit at first and was just sort of enjoying um, my time. So, and then tweaks to nutrition. I, I tend to be super fortunate that if I stick to just listening to my body and sort of knowing what works for me, I don't have a lot of nutrition issues. Um, the race was great at having some food that was out. I had some of their peanut butter sandwiches, um, and some of their tailwind. Um, I ate some of my own pretzels and fruit snacks, but I just sort of stick to what works for me. And I don't knock on a lot of wood. I don't tend to have a lot of issues. So, um, that's one of the things that works for me, I guess I've learned from other events to continue fueling. So not letting myself get to the point where I'm hungry, just a little bit. And this was great because it was a three and a half mile loop. So I could just eat every time I came back. There was, um, for my friends who were out there on the course, you kind of got to the aid station, which is the start finish line. And then you ran along a lake for a little bit. And then you went up a hill. I called the walking hill because I think very few people, although there were some strong runners out there running up it. Um, a shout out to the relay runners, um, who were flying up that hill. Um, I would always take my food and I would walk up the hill and eat my food while I was walking up the hill. Um, and that kind of ensures that you get a little bit of nutrition as you go. I think that helps me anyways. To be fair to you, there's probably not too many changes to make for a race that you end up winning. Like when, when you end up winning a race, you know, you kind of get off the hook a little bit with the changes that you have to make because you were a totally unbelievable performance there. Uh, what I want to know is the 24 hour format is just so unique. What are like the mental bad battles and the strategies that you kind of uh, broke the race up into? Or, I mean, obviously it's 3.5 mile sections, but uh, was there any, any specifics that you did there to kind of uh, make the day go by a little quicker? Yeah. Um, and again, it was a new format for me. So I still have probably a lot to learn about that format, but one tip I always try to do when I know that I'm going to be running overnight is because it's challenging for me, I try to push myself a little bit more in the daylight or in that kind of like late afternoon, when you know, evening is coming, I know that evening is going to be slower for me. So why not kick it a little bit into gear so that I'm kind of making up some time and, you know, just sort of, um, packing in a few miles before I get to the time. That's, um, a little bit more challenging. I, people might be disappointed to hear. I don't really think too much about the time I was letting the race director do that and share with me kind of how I was doing. But if I try to do too much math when I'm running, I make myself crazy. Um, and I don't usually do the math very well. So I'm usually wrong. I either think that I'm in great shape or I'm in horrible shape. And that can change your mood so drastically. So um, if I'm running with my friend, Tim, I let him do the math. If I'm running by myself, I just don't do it. Um, and in this case, the race director, Dan, was super great about keeping me updated. Um, I did, however, it wasn't about time, but this loop course, you know, isn't super big. And so I kind of just like, this sounds really dominant, maybe weird to say in front of a bunch of other people that'll hear it, but I kind of made up little stories about different parts of the course. So like I would remind myself of something that happened on that loop earlier 
in the event. And so that kind of helped me to get through it because I was like, oh, this is the hill where I ran into my friend Paulette, or I ran into my friend Kristen, or I saw that guy with that Dalmatian who did a 50K. That's amazing. Um, or oh, here's the really fun downhill. I'm so excited I'm at this part. Or, you know, remember, you have to be careful. This is that muddy turn. So I would kind of tell myself about the course. Um, I, it was 24 hours basically in my own head. So I had to do something. Um, so I did a lot of that during the course. And that did kind of help break it up into pieces, um, which was really helpful. And you know you're going to see the race director and the people at the aid station every three and a half miles. So that's pretty soon. You have a lot to look forward to, which is nice. Yeah, totally. And I actually think that whole telling yourself stories about different sections of the course thing is way more common than you must think it is. Okay. I mean, I know for me at uh, the backyard ultra, right. I made note of like things other people were doing on the course and like would think about like different things I had like seen or like jokes I had heard on different parts of the course. And I may have briefly thought like, well, Harvey stops and pees at this spot of the course, like every lap, if I pee there, when he goes, like, is that going to establish dominance and like getting his head a little bit, maybe. So or give you like the power of Harvey. Yes. That's a, yeah, that's what you need care. That's exactly what you did. <laughs> I, I really think that's what I should have done on the day, frankly. Um, but you know, Eric Anderson just asked kind of the same question Wesley did in our chat before he asked it. Um, and you know, great minds do think alike apparently, but I'll kind of rephrase it a little bit and say, what would you, what advice would you give to other runners who they get kind of freaked out when they start trying to do the math too much? Is it more than just kind of like letting go or do you have like any specific, like, do you do like a mindfulness practice to work on that or anything like that? Yeah, that's a great question. I think what's worked for me sometimes during other events, so I didn't have a pacer for this event, but sometimes if I have a pacer, I share something about a goal or something like that with my pacer. And then I just let them worry about it. Right. So the pacer has a lot of jobs and a lot of responsibilities. And to me, one of them is to sort of do some of that mental math so that I don't have to, right? So that can be one way to like just physically unload on another person. Um, I mean, I distract myself with a lot of weird things I think a lot of runners do to think about while they run. So my poor friends on the drive home had to listen to all the things I debated and all the things I told myself in my head while I was running. Um, But I think, you know, at the end of the day, I have, I'm pretty lax about, I don't have this like really, really set goal going into most races. Um, I know a lot of people do. And so this may not apply to them, but it's a little bit easier for me to kind of let go and say that like the race is going to be what it is. I'm out here running my own race. Um, I'm doing what I need to do. I'm just going to keep moving forward. Um, there have been times when, you know, a race like this, where there's people doing other events out on the course that can kind of get in your head. Um, and they, I feel this pressure to go off and run with them or, oh my gosh, people shouldn't be passing me or whatever you might start to think. And I think a few of my friends have said this phrase, which just gets in my head is like, no, all day pace, like you're out here all day. So you need to do all day pace. So that's kind of a mantra. I repeat, it's not really about time, but just about being out there and kind of running my own race um, and doing my own thing is just, you're, you know, you got to go until tomorrow morning. So all day pace here, Sarah, like watch yourself. So I don't know if that totally answers the question, Cam, but 
Um, I wish I had some great meditation that helped me like relax into things, but I enjoy the nature. I enjoy the other people that are out there and I try to put the numbers aside, but I know that that's hard. Yeah, no, I, I totally think that that, um, that helps to answer. And I, I just bring up mindfulness because that's every now and then that's at the forefront of my mind. I would say there's nothing that has a hot and cold relationship quite like me in the headspace app, frankly, like okay. weeks on like and weeks off, like all the time. Um, mm -hmm. But to kind of follow up on that, when you're telling yourself all day pace, and this connects back to the, um, the last question too, do you ever tell yourself things about the other runners and what they're doing? Because, you know, I mean, maybe I showed my hand with this a little bit too much, but I'll definitely think about what other people are doing on the course and tell myself stories about whatever's going on for them. Yeah. Here's a reason for me to ignore them and try to just focus on what I'm doing. Yeah. I mean, I think a big part of that is this idea of like all day pace or like I'm running my race. I know I need to do what I need to do. I do. My friends have pointed this out to me in the last year. I don't think of myself as a super competitive person. But they talk about how when I'm out on a course, I like zero in on someone ahead of me and kind of run after them. I think they would agree that after I've thought about it a little bit more, I think I really, I'm a very social runner. And so if I'm by myself, I want that next person in front of me because I kind of want the company for a bit. I want to chit chat. I want to meet someone new. I mean, that's part of why COVID has been so challenging because you lose a lot of that aspect out on the trails. And so, yeah, it, it, if I'm thinking about other people, it's typically like, I wonder if I can catch up with that person. I bet I could chit chat with them for a while. It'd be kind of nice to have someone to pace with for a little bit. Um, and then I, but I don't tend to be like, oh, that's the first woman or, um, oh, I wonder if I can get up and get in front of that guy. Um, I wonder what place he's in. In a format like this, it was so hard to tell where other people were at and what event they were doing. So it's just a lot of, you know, good job runner. And where's the next person I can talk to? Um, yeah, that social aspect really does make me kind of go after people, uh, which is funny. Competitive nature kind of comes in different ways with different runners. And I think that's always uh, super neat to see. Uh, take us into like the most challenging part of the race. Obviously there had to have been a dark part in the race. Uh, when did it happen? How did you get out of it? And just what was that process like? Yeah. And I have to be honest, I've had some challenging parts in races before, but never quite like this event. Um, it was in that tricky time that like, I think like 2 AM to 4 AM somewhere in there. Right. So morning is still a ways off. I knew from the race director that I could probably hit a hundred if I could just keep going, but I had been alone a lot. The course cleared out a lot at night. So I wouldn't see a lot of people. I didn't have a pacer. I've never run overnight without a pacer. Um, you know, my friends had gone to sleep, good, much deserved sleep. And thankfully that meant they could drive home the next day. So I was just getting kind of lonely and in my head and I was getting a little bit cold and I came, I know I came into the loop and the race director was like, oh, you have, I think it was at that time, like three more loops or four more loops you have to do. You can make it, you can do it. And I was like, uh, I don't know. And I've, I've never said that during a race. I'm always like, oh, I, I got this. It's going to be challenging, but I can do it. And I was like, I, I don't know if I have it in me. 
And he's really great. He's like, go out and do another loop and see how you feel. And, um, and I did, and I came back and was just as sort of desperate to stop. And I was looking for external permission to stop. Um, I wanted him to tell me I could stop or I wanted a friend or someone to just say, it's okay. You're going to get 90 something miles. That's a huge accomplishment. You're tired. It's fine. Um, you did the best you could. So um, he didn't tell me that. He did say I did really well. And if I needed to stop, I could. So I told the race director I was going to go over to my little spot and put on some pants, try to warm up, and I'll see what I do. And um, I wa- I still kind of can't believe I did this, but I walked over to our my little spot and put on, I was going to get my, some pants on. And there was a guy sitting nearby and I was like, hey, are you going back out? And he was like, uh, I don't know. You know, I don't know if I'm feeling well, maybe, maybe not. And there are no really other runners around at this point. Most people are kind of out on the trail, maybe sleeping, who knows what. And I was like, so I need to go on about 20 minute mile pace, maybe a little bit faster. And I have two more loops plus a mile loop to go. You want to (laughs) go? And for, to his credit, he was like, yeah, let me grab a coffee. So I put on my pants and he grabbed his coffee and we headed out on the trail. So this complete stranger who I'd never seen during the race actually took me through my last two laps plus the mile loop we have to do. So a huge credit to him. Um, but that's the low point and that wouldn't always work. You don't always have a stranger and you can't always talk them into just doing whatever with you. But trail runners are awesome and they help each other out. Um, so that was a great way to help me like pull out of that very dark place where I was, I was kind of done. Um, and he was able to help me with that. And then we laughed a lot about my need for external permission to stop, right? You know, I'm a grown up. I can make my own decisions, but yeah, it was a, it was a low point, but followed by a kind of hilarious high point in a lot of ways. Yeah, that's, that's a really great story. It really shows just like the power of this community. And one of the things I really love about it and Jordan, I promise I'm going to get to your chat question in a second. And if I'm placing that profile cor- picture correctly, uh, shout out to you for being the dude who can probably bench press the most uh, in Ridge Runner Nation. Uh, but Sarah, I want to dig into something that you mentioned there about wanting to quit and being like, well, I've already done so much, you know, anybody would be happy with this. Like I've already done so much more than 99.999% of the population, you know, like who even signs up for these things, right? What do you think, um, when you think about things like that, how do you justify it to yourself to keep having these bigger goals, you know, when a normal person and not to jump too far ahead, right, would just be excited to backpack the Laurel Highlands Trail. You're like, well, I'm going to run it and then I'm going to run it twice. Yeah, there was, I went through a lot of thinking about my running. I want to say it might've been two years ago or like a year and a half ago. And it is, is a little philosophical, but it went through running, but also other parts of my life where I felt like I needed to challenge myself and take some more risks. And, um, think of the, I, so I have on my phone, the man in the arena, um, speech, um, where it's this idea of like, don't sit on the sidelines and criticize other people, but get out there and do it and toe the line. And, um, my friends and I would talk about this idea. I would make them talk to me about it when we were out running 
this idea of sort of looking for the next thing that will challenge you. And that doesn't always mean going a further distance or longer time. It maybe means a challenging course or for me doing this race without a pacer at night or a lot of my friends who did amazing things during COVID unsupported events where they would go out and we would run a hundred milers for fun um, or their first trail event over, you know, their first um, ultra distance. We did a lot of that during COVID. And I think, so that's really what was kind of motivating me for like the last year and a half or so was this idea of not really looking for the edge, but a little bit like putting yourself in situations where you're not confident you can finish. Um, I spent a year doing a lot of 50 Ks um, and felt really comfortable with the 50 K distance, which sounds ridiculous even to say now, but it started to make me realize I was getting a little comfortable. Um, and so I'm just looking for things to kind of make myself uncomfortable um, and sort of push myself to see what I can do, um, which again, not just in running, I think in other areas too. Yeah, that's, that's an incredible mindset to have. And it's uh, obviously taking you uh, to pretty awesome places so far. Uh, let's finish up. Let's wrap up the Dogwood 24-hour ultramarathon. What are the emotions like when you kind of uh, crossed the finish line? You were finally done. Uh, and then what do you think about, like, when you look back at the race now, having it been almost a week afterwards, what are your emotions on the race? Yeah, well, first of all, I do have the best friends in the world. So my friends, had gotten up and were out. I don't even know how they knew where I was on the course or anything. So they'd gotten out, saw me come in to where I still had a mile left to go and um, were cheering me in the whole way. And that just, there's nothing like having, you know, seeing those familiar faces um, and you can tell they're excited. And the race director was so excited. And it just is so nice to have other people sort of sharing in your joy, right? So you're happy and excited. But I think the like, I mean, it was very few of us around at that point, um, but having my friends and the race director and it feel kind of um, some shared celebration, I think, coming in. So um, that felt great. I, there's nothing like finishing in the beginning of the morning, right? The lake was beautiful. The sun was coming up. Um, it just, it was a great feeling. Um, and there were the few people that were around were the people who had gone the furthest. And my friend Kristen was the third female um, finisher. And so there was a small collection of us around to get awards and things like that. There was another hundred miler finisher, you know, um, Ben came in and finished a hundred miles after me. So it was just, there was a lot of excitement um, and sort of shared celebration, which was really fun. Um, and then afterwards, I mean, I was tired. <laughs> We, we slept, I slept in the car first. I took the first shift of getting to sleep in the car and, um, yeah, I came back and I was feeling a little beat up. My trail running has been a little bit less, um, the last few months. So feeling a little beat up, but I'm happy to be back and, um, running with friends again. So yeah, a pretty, a pretty nice finish, but I have to be honest, you know, um, Monday is just like, well, back to work, you know? go back, be a, a normal human, do your job, do, you know, all the things you need to do. So. 
Well, that's always the toughest part about running an ultra, especially when it goes into Sunday and whatnot, is having to go back into work and uh, be a human again on Monday. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you mentioned Ben. Uh, he's a familiar name to Ridge Nation. He's 22 years old. Uh, he's done Ohio's back at ultra and absolutely crushed that race a couple of times now. So uh, congrats to Ben on being the other 100 mile finisher as well. Uh, Cam, I think you had a chat question here. Yeah, we do have a chat question. Jordan, I told you we were going to get to it. Um, so he says, what advice would you give to an ultra runner who wants to go from 50 miles to something longer, like a hundred miles? Yeah, I'm certainly not the expert on this. Um, but I do feel like I've had really good fortune, um, keeping in mind that I just did that during 2019. So it wasn't so, so long ago, but for me, I felt like I needed that hundred K stepping stone before I went further. So I did do a 50 miler and then a hundred K before I went on to the hundred miler. But I really think the big trick there is, you know, I was talking to a friend about the friend who doesn't, is not a runner um, or isn't a big runner the next week. And she was like, what do you mean you were running overnight? I'm like, well, if you run for a long time, you have to run overnight. It's kind of part of what happens. And so I think one of the big things is, getting accustomed to running in the evenings um, and running when you're tired. I mentioned to you guys when we got on this call that this is a bit past my bedtime. Um, and so, you know, getting used to running when it's, it's usually a time you would be sleeping, I think is really important. And then figuring out nutrition, you know, we don't, you're not usually up eating all night. And so if you're going to be doing some of these longer events, figuring out how can you fuel yourself, not just for, you know, eight hours, but how can you fuel yours or 12 hours? If you're talking about the 50 miler, how can you fuel yourself for longer than that? You've missed a lot of meals and how can you keep your energy levels up while still maintaining being able to run? I think, you know, those are the big tricks. And then, I mean, what's the tip surround yourself by people who are doing it and want to do it. Um, I've had so much success by tackling goals together with friends, with other people, um, I think, you know, going at it together, um, there's some shared, um, nervousness, but also shared excitement in setting some of those goals together. Um, yeah. And then I guess the last thing I would say would be when I was looking to do Laurel, when I was looking to do the, um, the FKT, the 140 miles, I did start listening to more podcasts and interviews with people who'd done a hundred miles or more just to hear other people talk about it. My friend group has some amazing runners, but a, not a ton of us have gone beyond the hundred mile distance. So in order to kind of crowdsource some tips and tricks, I spent time listening to other people talk about their experiences with those longer events. Yeah, that's some, that's some really great advice. And so Going from there, let's dig into this Laurel Highlands attempt, or it, like you said earlier, right? Not the attempt, the um, the like the FKT that you said. Yeah, and my friends teased me about that a lot in the beginning because I always called it the attempt, and they're like, "You need to reframe that because you're going to do it." And I was like, "Oh, I hate that." That that is some really great advice, and that's definitely something that um, if one of my friends told me to, I would be like, "Oh, I, oh, I don't like that." Right, um, it's uncomfortable, but you're right. Yeah, totally. And so with that said, what originally motivated you to go after this? And now I don't believe Laurel Highlands is the one with the ponies, right? That's Grayson Highlands. Oh, that's you weren't just after it for the ponies. 
Yeah, no, it wasn't out. I wasn't out there for the ponies, but we did actually see ponies. Someone will attest to, I wasn't like making things up. It wasn't a lack of sleep. There actually were ponies out on the trail. I think we might've been a little off course at the time, but there were ponies, um, but not like Grayson Highlands. Um, so uh, what motivated that to the beginning? Well, from the beginning. So I spent a lot of time out on the Laurel Highlands hiking trail. I mean, I've spent a lot of time out there in general, but last summer it was an escape. Um, you know, there's so much going on in terms of um, the pandemic, but also work stresses and things like that. And Laurel Highlands was an accessible escape for me. And I could go out and turn off my phone, um, which is very freeing and be out on the trail for eight hours. Um, and so, and, um, that was a great way just to sort of get away from everything. And it started to make Laurel a really special place to me. Um, both the scenery is gorgeous, but it really started to have this feeling of like, I can get away from, um, some of what's going on everywhere and sort of get a nice break from activity and who doesn't want to be away from their computer and zoom a little bit during the pandemic. So that's, you know, some of it was just spending a lot of time out there. And then we started to, I learned, you know, a little bit about people who had done other similar types of things. I have a friend, Kim, who did an FKT biking and then running, um, the gate to eight distance on the Laurel Highlands trail. And I did the running part and a little bit of biking with her. Um, and so starting to kind of get this itch for there might be something out there. And then as soon as I found out that no woman had done it, I just felt super motivated that we needed a woman's time. Um, you know, we needed a woman to be up on the board with the, the, um, the men who've done it. And so that was really my motivation was, you know, we need a, a woman's name up there. And I hope there's more. I hope a lot of other women um, try it. And so I'm just the first of many women who go out and do that. Sorry, I left myself muted. As you said, Rookie you know, like mistake, people are uh, really excited to get off um, Zoom, right? I'm actually not excited to get off Zoom because I use Microsoft Teams for work. So oh, there you go. Just saying, shout out to Rivercap. <laughs> Um, but anyways, to kind of follow up on what you said with, you know, this was kind of like your escape and your special place to go. Do you think of this, you know, FKT more as like a celebration of your relationship with this place than like an athletic achievement, or is it kind of in that gray area of both where it fills in like a lot of the same or sort of like emotional buckets for you, where you worked really hard and you achieved this really hard thing, but then you also, celebrated this beautiful place that means a lot to you, like emotionally. Yeah, I would say, I mean, it's both of those things and a few more. So it also was an amazing effort by my friends. Um, as you guys mentioned, I mean, I didn't run that trail by myself. We had on almost every segment, I had at least two pacers and I had crew who stayed out for two nights. Crewing people for two nights is a lot to ask of someone. So, um, my friends were just phenomenal. And then my friends were also accomplishing things while they were there with me. So my friend had her longest trail run ever. A couple, uh, I think two people had their longest trail run ever. It was the first time for some of them on Laurel, right? It was some for some of them the first time doing running at night. So there were a lot of cool accomplishments even amongst my friends. Um, and then a lot of people who just don't usually get to escape 
um, day-to-day life were able to come out and run in the middle of the night because that's a time that they were more able to get away. And so um, having, you know, all my friends out there, it also, you know, I did definitely feel the like athletic accomplishment that, you know, that's a long time to be out there. But I also was, like you said, celebrating this beautiful place. We had perfect weather. And I thought coming into the end, so people who are familiar with the trail will know it's pretty treacherous in the last few miles if you're going the opposite direction because you're coming down some tricky hills. And I was just enjoying every minute of it. I can't, it was, you know, beautiful. The trail is just a familiar, fun place to be. Um, It unfortunately, if you guys haven't heard, caught on fire um, earlier this week. And so they're still reporting back on how the trail is doing. But it's just such a special place. So it was all of those things, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. And thanks for letting us know about um, the fire issue. I actually had not heard about that. So, you know, obviously I'm going to need to look into that afterwards. And we're hoping all the best things for all the first responders and the trail itself. Right. Um, but I was also kind of thinking when we first asked you, you know, you were like, well, I've got to get a women's time on the board, right? Like I'm going to be the first one when you were doing that. And I know a lot of people have like, quote unquote, idols or like people they really look up to in the sport. Like I've often said that like my greatest wish is just be like the great value version of Anton Krupichka, you know, were you out there thinking like, oh man, I'd really love like Claire Gallagher, Courtney DeWalter would come out here and like break this and like take this FKT for me. Or is it just this kind of like amorphous desire for like somebody to come out and go faster to like celebrate what women can do on the trails? I mean, part of me, and I think I told you guys, I fangirl a little bit about Courtney, just because I think her attitude towards running is so admirable. The way she, you know, describes the people in the middle, in the back of the pack and how she goes back and cheers for people. And she just has a nice attitude about running. So part of me wants to say, yes, please, Courtney, come out and do the Laurel Highlands trail and beat my record. And maybe I can run a little bit with you and, and all of that. But then there's this other part of me that is like, no, I want the local runners. I want my friends and the other people who go out and do this trail all the time. I want those women to feel like they can go out and do the double Laurel. You know, I want, um, I want it to also be something that's shared by people in the area, the people who are my friends and um, other trail runners around here. I think, yeah, as much as I'd love to have some big names come out and do the trail and bring some attention to it, there's also just this feeling of wanting people to feel like it's doable um, and that it's a fun way to spend a couple of days. FKT your times are just so different from, you know, so many other things in the uh, ultra running sphere uh, what was one, a couple tips that you would give to someone who's looking to maybe go out and actually run this trail and kind of do the 140 miles. Like what are your pro tips for accomplishing this? Yeah. I mean, first and foremost, you just have to have good people in place. Um, and by that, I mean, people who are encouraging, who sort of fit your style of running, um, and know how to push you and how to encourage you and, and all of those things. I think having the right people out there was just a huge blessing. Um, I think doing a lot of runs on the trail in advance, if that's possible, um, getting the Laurel to me is the kind of trail you really want to get to know before you're racing on it too much or before you're trying to do a long event like this, you know what to expect then. So you can kind of plan on, oh, that big climb is coming 
or this is going to be the part that's really rocky, or, um, you know, this is where, um, uh, you know, I'll get some nice downhills or some nice runnable sections. So getting to know the trail, um, and then I was fortunate because a lot of the people who are with me, a handful of them know the trail really well. And so I think those two things for that particular trail is, you know, having the right people and then, um, getting to know the trail in general, the logistics work out pretty well. I use the aid stations that they use during the 70 miler and you just do them front and back. Um, and so that part worked out really well. My friends will tell you that I tried to work out the logistics, like we picked spots and things like that, but then they were working behind the scenes the whole time to make sure the right people were in the right spots at the right time. Um, because, you know, once I'm out on the trail, my phone's off and I'm not in charge of that anymore. Having the right crew is obviously a super uh, big, important task, obviously, is when you're going into something epic like that. Uh, I want to know what was like the most incredible part about the entire experience? Was there any one moment that just jumps out at you as like this part was just on out of this world, basically just totally incredible. And when you look back at your experience, this is the one thing you kind of think about. Yeah, I, I'm going to have to probably pick a couple. Um, but honestly, the whole event was just really like, I truly was enjoying myself um, hitting the 70 mile marker. So that's where you turn around. That felt really special. Um, and there were some antics going on with my crew. So they were all in a cheerful, good mood. It was morning. Um, when I made my way in there. And so that was a great feeling that started to make it feel doable. Like, well, if I made it here, all I have to do is turn around and go back. Like I could probably do this, you know, that kind of feeling. Um, the second night of running, um, uh, I'm not going to remember the mile marker after I just said, it's important to know the trail, but there is kind of like an overlook where you look out and the stars were just beautiful. And um, being someone who lives in the city, I don't always get the glimpse of the stars like that. And so that just kind of gave me like a peaceful um, sort of uh, introspective sort of moment. Um, but then by far the best, um, we, for the last bit, my whole crew, so um, Paula and Kevin and Jordan were my like main crew people, um, along with a number of the pacers we sort of all ran as a group into the finish. So not everyone was able to stay out obviously and do the end with me, but I think we had like a handful of people, maybe eight people or so who ran into the finish um, together. And I was excited. I was so sad about it ending, but I, I just felt, you know, just pure joy, I think in that moment. Um, and I did make us go I wanted to make sure the FKT counted and I just was nervous about that. So I made us go to like a really far parking lot to finish. So we like ran over and there was pie and donuts and, you know, all kinds of good food. And it just, yeah, it felt really good. And then I got home um, to Pittsburgh after someone drove me back and my friends made a giant sign congratulating me um, and had all kinds of goodies waiting for me. And it just was I felt very embraced um, and supported. So I don't know, that's kind of a long answer to a special moment, but it was a couple of highlights. Um, and then the finish, obviously a really special moment. And so that is a really long answer, Sarah, but like, that's a really warranted long answer, you Thanks. know, <laughs> like all of those were things that like really do sound like they brought you a lot of joy and a lot of happiness. Um, 
And so what I wanted to follow up with that and ask, because you were talking about how fun this was in the moment, there's a lot of talk in the ultra running community about like type two fun, right? Like things that are fun, but it's not fun to do. It's fun to talk about. Was this Laurel Highlands FKT double crossing for you? Was it just fun? Like, was it type one fun or were there moments of like both? It kind of was. And I feel like people might hate me for saying it, but this in particular, honestly, I didn't have a bad moment on the trail. Maybe the only like lowish moment was when we decided I should try to sleep. And so I loaded into a back of a friend's car that tucked me all in. I was nice and warm, but everybody was outside and I wanted to talk to them and I wanted to keep running. And so I just, every moment of it, I was having fun and a blast and just enjoying the conversations with friends. So yeah, it really was. It was type one fun for me. That's awesome. Well, we were super excited to hear that story because obviously when we kind of saw it happen, we were like, oh, this is just unbelievable what just happened. So we thank you so much for sharing that story with us and uh, kind of all of the endeavors that happened out there. I want to know now, what are your plans for the rest of 2021? What year are we at? I have no idea. <laughs> I know. Uh, no one does. Yeah. So um, I'm not a great planner. Um, there have been years where I had sort of big goals out there. Um, this really hasn't turned into one of those years for me yet, um, which feels a little late to be saying that, but I am doing the Laurel Highlands hiking trail, um, 70 miler, which I've never done. So, um, I'm nervous and people tease me about that because I've obviously done it. Um, but I've never done it as an event and I'm nervous, but I also have, again, a core group of friends who are going to do it. A lot of them, some of their first trail races or, um, long runs. And so I'm excited for that event coming up in June. I am signed up for Eastern States. I was signed up last year for Eastern States um, and was kind of pumped about doing it. I paced a friend a couple of years ago and pacing that was one of my favorite times running. It's a great memory for me. Um, So it was again about towing that line and putting a challenge out there was something I wasn't sure I can do. So um, that was postponed from last year and will be on the docket for this year. And then I honestly, I'm, these aren't real plans yet, but I'm hoping that some of the carryover from last year, my friends and I kind of making up things to go do, um, and to help people hit new goals. Um, I hope we do some of that this summer too, and into the fall. So, you know, if a friend wants to try to do a 50 miler for the first time, I want to go out and do that with them. And, um, you know, my two friends, Kim and Kristen both did their first hundred milers last fall. And I was able to do, um, the whole hundred miles with both of them. And that was just such a special thing. It was really fun. So yeah, I'm hoping to make some stuff up and to, to, um, make it through Eastern States. Yeah, that sounds really great. And we want to follow that up by just asking a little bit more about the, uh, the Pittsburgh running community that you call home. My only personal experience with the Pittsburgh running community is sharing about eight miles at a trail race with this uh, this guy named Dr. Ken. And I'm so sorry if I mispronounce your last name, but I believe Onashi. And uh, he was just running behind me at one point. He was just like, dude, your shoulder looks weird. And then like at the end, he just like started, like when I finished, he just like started moving my arm. It was like, oh, you need to see a PT. You like partially tore your labrum here. So like there's a really high standard in my mind for what everyone from Pittsburgh is like, because I got some free medical care. 
uh, from that community. So let us know what they've been like for you. Was that a high school yeah. football injury, Cam? Real quick. Real quick, that was not. I crashed my bicycle the week before. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. No, and I'm not surprised, although that hasn't happened to me yet. Um, but I'm always looking to recruit PTs to run with us because, um, you know, you, who couldn't use a PT who's around and could help you out. Um, the Pittsburgh running community is amazing. I can't say enough good things about them. So I moved here. It'll be 12 years ago this summer. And I think within a couple of days showed up at a group running, like a, a group, an organized group run and just gone from there. It's, those are my closest friends. Um, and within the last year, you know, everyone's gone through a lot with the pandemic, the, the chance to get up and run with my friends every morning. And we've followed a lot of protocols to be sure that we're being safe and kept our groups really small, but it's been my lifeline um, to have these friends that I've made in Pittsburgh to meet up with me, to run and chat in the mornings, um, you know, to, um, enjoy some miles with, to talk about the stresses of life with and things like that. It's just been such an amazing community. Um, before the pandemic, you know, we're a tight knit group. We travel together and do runs together and, um, support one another in our events and things like that. It's just, um, I was part of the road running community for a long time. I now straddle the road running and, and trail running communities. And there just aren't any better people out there than the folks that you'll find in the running community. They're just the best. We've got a uh, chat question here from Catherine Rush. who says Pittsburgh rocks. I know Cleveland rocks is the song and I'm from Cleveland. So uh, definitely, you know, love that community, but Pittsburgh definitely seems to have an awesome little, uh, community there. And it's awesome just to see the types of connections that you've made and the adventures that you're, you've done and are going to continue to do with your awesome crew. And so that's just awesome to see how cool that community is there. Uh, yeah. if you've made oh, it this- thanks, Wes. Can I tell you a tidbit that that's actually my mom? Um, <laughs> so of course she wants this. I mean, at least she's not going on and on about me and embarrassing me. So that's a good comment, but I will tell you, I'm super proud of my mom who came down to Pittsburgh. I can't remember how many years ago now. And um, hadn't been a runner at all in her life. And I think for her 60th birthday decided she was going to do a race. And in true Sarah fashion, I was like, well, if you're going to do a 5k, you could just do a 10k. Um, and we'll do the great race. It starts by my house. We'll just run downtown. You'll be great. And she was my neighbor, Elaine, and my mom and I ran together. My mom and I have since run um, races together and she's an amazing um, support an amazing hiking buddy and awesome um, running buddy. Well, shout out to mom. She's absolutely crushing it uh, there you go. as well. So uh, if you made it this far in the YouTube uh, with us tonight, uh, hit the subscribe button, hit the like button. We appreciate everyone who's tuned in so far. We've got a couple more questions for Sarah before we let her get out of here. Uh, Cam, I'm going to throw it over to you to start our quick questions. Yeah, of course. Thanks, Wes. And we're going to start our quick questions off with our favorite of the quick questions, which is if ultra running had walk-up songs like baseball, what would yours be? And we're going to modify just slightly. And if there's a song that you could kind of just like scream into the woods, uh, what would that be? Well, I don't scream, but Kristen and I love to sing, or at least I pretend like she likes to sing with me. You can call me Al by Simon or by Paul Simon. Um, so we have a lot of fun with that song out on the trail. And if it's late enough at night and we've had enough ca caffeine, you might see us trying to do the dance from the video. So that's definitely a trail favorite among many 
ridiculous songs that get sung on the trail. That's just incredible. We've had a lot of talk about singing on the trails. I know Liz Anjos in particular, right? Like professional singer out on the trail sounds really great, but never any dancing on the trails. So that's really great to hear. Yeah. Well, we have to dance because we don't sound very good. <laughs> See, and, and I just, I don't sound very good and then I don't dance. So fair enough. yeah. But uh, so to follow up, what's the one thing you can't leave an aid station without? Yeah, it was hard for me to name one thing, but I'm a pretty straightforward person. So I like a piece of peanut butter and raisin sandwich. Um, I'll sometimes make those for myself. I like my tailwind, um, some caffeine, Dr. Pepper, if I can be picky, um, and fruit snacks. Um, And, you know, I've been known to enjoy a donut in the middle of the woods if someone brings me one. All right. Well, we're going to have to add that uh, to the list if we ever show up to film you at a race. Um, Fair enough. (laughs) Yeah. Do you have any uh, pre-race rituals, Sarah? Yeah. So uh, not real. I'm not a big like ritual person, but notoriously I overpack for every race. And so, you know, that feeling of like, well, I'm going to be running for 24 hours. So I probably need like 24 pairs of socks. And then you end up wearing the same one pair of socks the entire race. Um, That's typical Sarah. All right. Sounds good. We know plenty of other people who have that same problem. And it's, it's really hard to not listen to that. What if monster when you're uh, packing, but yeah. And then, so do you have any big post-race indulgences or any special meal that you eat after you finish something? Yeah. So I'm, I mean, not just post-race, but I'm a huge pizza fan. If you know me, you know that, um, pizza is a main staple of my diet. Um, and I do love also fresh fruit, particularly blueberries. I can eat by the like container full. Um, and then last but not least, I'm very fortunate to have a friend who likes to bake and will many times after a long run will make us, um, pie. Um, so post run pie is a lot of fun too. That's really great. And anyone who has a friend who likes to bake you just, you've really lucked out. Like, I don't think they often know how appreciated they are, but right. love we're that talking about to them. pie from scratch and her partner makes pizza from scratch. It's like the most amazing people to be friends with. Well, now, now Kim, you know, we're friends with someone who is friends with someone that makes that. So we can just send them our address and we can get the same treatment. I think that's how that works. You guys up. I'd love to hear it. I was actually just going to say, I'm imagining a household in which there is every kind of pie imaginable and it's perfectly homemade. That's just, that's the dream come true, I think. Yeah. But yeah. So, uh, Sarah, if you could run with one person in the history of the world, even if they weren't a runner, we're going to say they're going to keep up with you and your pace and you have a nice conversational long run. Who would it be? Yeah. I mean, I told you guys earlier about my sort of fangirl about Courtney DeWalter. I'm not great at following all trail runners, but when there's trail runners out there like Courtney, and there's many like her who just have this great attitude and approach to running, um, it's hard not to want to share a few miles with them. But if I'm really truthful, I get to run every week with the exact people that I want to run with. Um, You know, my close friends, when I'm home, my close friends there and my family there, um, I'm pretty fortunate that way. That's a, that's a really beautiful answer and we really appreciate it. Sarah, do you have any sponsors, friends, anybody else you'd like to plug shout out to uh, right now? 
Yeah. I mean, I mostly hit on those people, um, you know, the people that I get to run with um, most often during the week. Um, I think they just have such a special place in my heart. Um, So just a huge shout out and thank you to my Pittsburgh running friends um, of whom there are many. Yeah. Sounds really great. Well, Thank you all so much for joining us, Sarah, especially. Uh, It's been a really just incredible show tonight. Um, You just listened to Ridge Runners Live with Sarah Wallace. Uh, Wesley Harton was your host, along with me, Cam Wrench. Uh, Sarah Wallace was the winner of the Dogwood 24-hour 100-miler, along with being the first and only woman to complete a double Laurel Highlands hiking trail uh, finish. She also, if you haven't seen it yet, has a cameo in our Room to River 100 film that we've got up on the channel. I believe she comes 1519 in is the time code. 1519. Yeah. Th- thanks for reminding us. I was just about to read that, Wes. <laughs> Anyways, it was so great to uh, meet you there, Sarah. And you also had an incredible, perform- uh, incredible performance at the Room to River just a couple weeks after uh, the Laurel Highlands Hiking Trail FKT, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. That is right. And I was willing to sacrifice the rim to river, like feeling like I was in good shape for that to do the Laurel Highlands. And then I came to rim to river and had the same feeling. It just felt amazing. It was a beautiful race. You guys did a great job with the documentary. Um, it highlights what a special thing it was and what a, what a great event it was to be part of. Um, yeah, we were so stoked to be down there. If you haven't had the chance yet, definitely check out uh, that documentary. It's just here on our YouTube page. We appreciate the nice comment so much, Sarah. Um, anyways, we're going to close the show out tonight. Shout out to everybody in the Pittsburgh running community. You all seem so wonderful. We're going to have to head down there really soon. Um, yeah. And so this was Ridge Runners Live with Sarah Wallace. Thanks for joining us. Good night, everybody. Bye, everyone. Ridge Runner Nation, thank you again for tuning in to another Ridge Runners live show. Remember, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on Apple iTunes. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us out as well. If you don't follow us on social media, make sure to give us a follow. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, join our Strava Club so you can get mentioned in the Strava Rundown every single week. We'll see you next week, Version Our Nation.